yum nub. Each out for yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and I'm here to rescue you. Look, I've got your R2 unit and I'm here with Ben Kenobi. My name is Matt and we're just clones, sir. We're meant to be expendable. <laughs> I was very tempted to say Ben Kenobi in response to your quote. Yeah. Um, mine, mine is a Clone Wars quote. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Not everybody can pick great quotes like me. Uh, usually mine are super long and get, uh, it loses uh, after a bit. It's like, ugh, okay. Yeah, I just, I, I thought because there's the rescue mission, I thought that would be a good quote. And I, I cut it just a little bit because I didn't want to say, hi, my name's Jamie and I'm Luke Skywalker and I'm here to rescue. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, my quote is the quote from the Malevolence arc of Clone Wars, where they're stranded in the pods with a Plo Koon. And the clones basically say, no one's looking for us. We're just clones, sir. We're meant to be expendable. And Plo Koon says, not to me. <laughs> All right. Before we get any further into it, um, today we're still doing Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 14, almost to the end this is sort of the beginning of the three-part finale, I guess. Um, episode 14, Tipping Point. Tipping Point. Um, before we get into it, we don't have a bit planned th- this week. I am drinking, but I don't want to do a Tiki Room thing this week because I'm sort of in a bad mood um, because of my day. But maybe talking about Star Wars for an hour will cheer me up. Um, but did you do any Star Wars this week? Uh, yeah, I uh, played more Fallen Order on Friday. I stayed up till three. I still don't think that I'm very far. I'm still on like uh, the first real level. Um, but I just keep on getting killed by little things or falling. Or you don't actually fall. You don't die when you fall, but it resets you back. And then there's crazy jumps. And there's a lot of things that are just super hard to kill. I'm hoping that um, that once you get more like uh more force abilities and stuff like that and maybe just more experience to the game it's a lot easier to uh to uh to win or sorry to beat some of these things because there's like huge creatures um that just will wreck you if they get it like some of them are just like will wreck you like immediately and you're dead but uh, i'm still having a lot of fun with that game yeah i still haven't played it but the boy the youngest man's um birthday is next week and so I have the. I ordered the Xbox. It'll be here. Nice. Early tomorrow, or the next day at, at the latest, and then I just have to down set it up and download the game. So it'll happen. Looking yeah. Forward to it. Yeah, it's it's cool because like like how like there was like like in the first game there's like the Zepho stuff, kind of like that ruins. In here, or at least part of it, it's uh, High Republic ruins. Um, I'm on board with that, obviously. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to say much more, but yeah, um, I mean, there's obviously a High Republic element to it because um, from the trailer, but yeah, it's pretty rad. Yeah, I was editing our last episode this morning, and uh, you said that you had gotten to the High Republic Jedi, and that was mm-hmm. the spoiler th- spoilerish thing that you said, but the High Republic Jedi was in the trailer. Yeah. Or people speculated it was High Republic Jedi based on the way he was dressed. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do anything else other than 
Uh, schedule. No, I I missed out seeing uh, Jedi because I just had so much going on. Yeah. Um, did finish the um, Bad Batch with the boy, so he's all up to date now. Um. Yeah. Other than that, no, nothing really. Just. So so we did record last week on May third, I think, and it's now. That was sort of a weird night to record for us because we had rescheduled the recording due to our personal schedules. We didn't want to miss another week. But it's only May 7th now. It's only been a couple days. But between May 3rd and May 7th, two Star Wars things were released on May 4th. And I, I we haven't talked about it at all, but I assume you have not watched any of the Visions or Young Jedi Adventures yet? Mm, I watched one of the Visions. Um, which, which one? The very first one. Sith? Yeah. Okay. Without without going into it, because we're going to have to review them eventually, what did you think of Sith? Um, I thought it was... Hmm, I don't know. I, I, I kind of liked it. It uh, Very artsy. Um, That's one of the things I liked about it the most. Like the, um, the art style in that one is so different. I like um, I like the basic premise, um, so I don't know. It seemed cool. Okay. So that's all um, yeah. So we'll go through them. Go through them eventually. I don't know when, but I sort of want to do a lot more Clone Wars before we pick up anything else. But I watched I watched the first four. Um, generally, I'm pleased. I'm I like I like Star Wars as an art project, so I'm fine with this. This is good. And some of the plots are really, really cool. And I always, I always joke on the show and with you that I want Star Wars to play with, play with genre a lot more. Like I want like a straight up like black and white film noir, like Lady Knocks on the Detective's Door sort of movie mm-hmm. set in the Star Wars universe. I want like my Ken Burns documentaries set in the Star Wars universe, like Ken Ken Burns pod racing. And damn, that's such a good idea. Hire me. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, I like the idea that it seems like they're a little hemmed in. The TV shows are playing a little bit more with genre, but they're a little hemmed in in the movie level. And so I like the Visions exists to really push that. It could be like a stop motion claymation comedy, like straight up comedy Star Wars. Do you want like um, uh, a horny teen Star Wars, like Porky's or something like that? Yeah, we'll get there in the notes. <laughs> You, you joke, but uh, I referenced Jason Biggs in the notes. <laughs> um, I mean, you could, I, if you could get away with it, yeah. I think, I think Star Wars needs to be like a setting more than a tone, right? And I, I like the idea of, like, the joke that people who I hang out with that don't love Star Wars, they always say like, oh, that's the, like, have they ever had a happy ending in that, in any of those stories? Yeah, it's like have you, have they ever had a happy ending in any of those stories? I'm like, sort of, right? But you're always watching people like get their hands cut off and parents dying and um, losing everything, hitting rock bottom, and then building themselves back up. Everybody's an orphan, right? Um, it's also a very hard galaxy, but I think you could, if you could get away with like a rom com, why why wouldn't you? I mean, it'd be fun, it'd be funny, right? They do it in the books. Mm-hmm. Push that into the TV shows and the movies. I don't know. I don't see any problem with that, other than Twitter would melt down. 
anyway, I don't get off, off topic too much. My week has been a little light, um, Star Wars wise. We watched for family movie na- family movie night because it was Star Wars week. Um, the the littlest man claimed he had never seen Rogue One, so we wanted to watch that. We started watching it, and he's like, "Oh, the guy from Andor's in this." I was like, "Okay, maybe you haven't seen Rogue One, but I thought you had." <laughs> but um, I thought that was sort of fun. But I had sort of forgotten how much I loved that movie. It's funny and tragic and pretty fast-paced. So, and I don't care that they CGI'd um, Tarkin. No, they they did a really good job. People complained about it at the time, but, but I don't get it. Yeah, see, you could get Tarkin. If there's anybody you could get away with it, it'd be Tarkin because he, um, uh, Peter Cushing was just very gaunt and like he just looked like a a skeleton wrapped in skin. Just that's just that was his kind of look. And you, the CGI, like putting over stuff over other people's faces, they tend to they tend to look kind of like their eyes are darker. Um, it's something that's just not quite right. But in some with somebody who already looks not quite right, it's it's fairly seamless, or at least to me. So I was. There was a an animator that I listened to on another podcast <clears throat> sometime sometimes and he said that it's way easier to if you had like a wrinkly face, it's easier to like hide imperfections in in like a CGI animation because there's so much texture as opposed to like a young Leia who has a really smooth face. He's like it's it's impossible to make that look real or as realistic because like you're looking for like texture and things and the texture is just not there. Mm-hmm. So I think, anyway, I think it looked, it looked great. I was really happy to watch Rogue One again. And I know you missed return, but going to see return in the theater convinced me that whenever star Wars is on the big screen, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. Um, we actually, uh, I took the kids to a movie this weekend, and there's a, this place that that has um, like reclining seats, and um, the chairs will like rumble um, and stuff, like depending upon the what's happening. And it, it's not that much more than a, just a regular theater, so I, I'm just going to be going there from now on. And so whenever there's a re-release of Star Wars, I'm going, I'm going there. What was the name of that John Goodman movie? Where he, where he's making the the 1950s film about a radioactive ant. I, I don't know. Matinee, 1993. I had to Google it. Um, but he puts like buzzers in the seats, and so when the radioactive ant man grabs the woman's butt in the movie, the buzzers in the seats went off, <laughs> and everybody flinched. It's taking place like during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so he ends the movie with a with it looking like the city was bombed and they're looking out through like the the screen into the city being destroyed with a nuclear blast. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I was just thinking about that because he said it vibrated. But where I went to go see Return had reclining seats, too, and it was like a dollar more or something. And since movie tickets are like 15 bucks, where I am like a dollar more doesn't much matter to me yeah yeah i actually spent more on concessions than uh 
than the movie tickets. All right. Since since I don't have anything else really Star Wars this week. Oh, I I, I bought some more R2 parts. I think I'm basically <laughs> running out of R2 parts to buy. Um, the kids and I have started programming him. So he should be toddling around soon. We've got awesome. a little painting left to do, but yeah, he's getting close. All right. Do you want to move on to the review? Yeah, let's do it. Before we get into the review today, we have one cast member. We actually talked about him a couple of episodes ago that I wanted to go over, and it is Jimmy Simpson. Um, like I said, we mentioned him the other day because you were trying to figure out who was playing Jimmy, or who, who was playing Hemlock in the episode, and it's Jimmy. Um, so Jimmy got his start in 2000 in the movie Loser, which is a very 2000s college comedy with Jason Biggs about an awkward guy who likes a girl, but she's into a shitty professor. Um, This is not a very good movie. Did you see this movie? Uh, No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's got like Andy Dick in it. It's got every single um, bad comedian from the late 90s in it. Mm. So... Anyway, he he made his that's his earliest credit as that movie. Jason Biggs at the time was huge from the American Pie crap. Anyway, um, Jim goes on the TV where he gets some bit parts in NYPD Blue, Twenty Four, Cold Case. He makes an appearance in the Lindsay Lohan movie Her Be Fully Loaded. I assume you have seen that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I remember when it came out, the uh, the person I was dating is like, "Why do you want to see that?" It's like. At the time, it was just like, I don't know, I wanted it because I have just nostalgia from when I was a kid. But I remember seeing it, and it was like, oh, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, huge John <laughs> yeah, Nuts guy. Yeah, yeah she, was, she was right. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's going to be stupid, and it was. So he goes on, he appears on House, on Psych, um, on Always Sunny. Just to ah! me for something. Ah! That's what you get, Charlie! Ah! Hey, 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 get the hell out of here! Get fucked, Dad! Get out of here! Sorry, I've just been watching these, uh, these McPoyle clips. Yeah, I watched a, a bunch today, too, looking for a soundbite, but I think he covered it. Um, <laughs> anybody, uh, listening, if you've never watched Sonny, uh, watch Sonny and watch, try to find a McPoyle episode. They're just these, it's this family of, inbred weirdos and they all they all have like a unibrow and like the brothers shower together and they drink milk and <laughs> he jimmy says just plays this dirt dirtbag uh lyle mcpoyle so so well <laughs> i'm real i'm really happy to see uh him um do well in things i think we mentioned it before that uh, he's like one. He's, I mean, unless he's a complete prick in real life, then screw him. But it, it's nice to see somebody who's like a bit actor getting success. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know any personal anecdotes about him, but I just think he's funny, right? And and he goes on from Sunny to play to be in a bunch of episodes of House of Cards, um, and then he's in Westworld, Man Who Fell to Earth. He's a reoccurring character on um, Star Trek Prodigy, and now Star Wars. 
Um, earlier in his career, he had a reoccurring bit on David Letterman where he played Lyle, the intern. He's actually uncredited as that, but it's him. And then he also appeared in the movie Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Um, so, good for him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot I just, that movie I just like. Yeah, I like all of those weird horror movies that came out in the 2000s, like um, Bubba, Ho- Bubba Hotep and um, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and those that sort of genre. Um, but this is his first and only Star Wars credit as Hemlock. Hemlock appears in four episodes, but um, this is his only Star Wars credit, so welcome to the family. Anything else about Jimmy? He plays him very calm. Yeah, he... I didn't recognize his voice until I looked up the actor because I do this thing. I'm always checking the cast before every episode. And uh, once I knew it was him, I could hear it. But my experience with him is from things like Psych and Always Sunny and and Westworld and things like that. Right? I He sounds different and he's very calm and methodical and it's it's that whole like... I don't want to use the word grooming, but it's that whole like fake soothing voice where he's talking like this, but everything's a threat. And he's like, I'm going to cut your eyeballs out and then eat them. And it sounds reassuring, except for the, the words are not. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. He's good. Okay. <laughs> I really hate the character. So he's doing a good job then. All right. I'm going to move on to the plot summary then. I do want to say there's other guest stars, but we've covered them all in previous episodes. So if you want to know about Emery, we covered her. Um, if you want to know about um, Sadler, Sadler, we've covered her as well. Um, so just listen to our old episodes. Download, download them again. Mm-hmm. All right, so the show opens up on an Imperial base on the planet Balmora. It's a hangar with stormtroopers and clone commandos. Some clones are being led in binders. Um, they're being loaded onto a transport. Imperial named Captain Pierce refers to the clones as prisoners, and there are three of them that are being put on this ship. So the ship takes off and heads for space. Right when they're leaving orbit out into deep space, another ship drops out of hyperspace and immediately opens fire on the transport. Pierce orders the crew to put the uh, ship in the hyperspace, but they say the drive is disabled. Pierce then orders the crew to open fire and notify command that they're under attack. We cut to the attacking vessel, and it is manned by clones, including Gregor, Fireball, and Echo. The ship is much more maneuverable than the transport, and they're able to disable the weapons and the engines very quickly. Echo gives an order to the other clones to prep the boarding vessel. They're going to board the ship and recover the prisoners before reinforcements show up. So this is an action-packed opener. Yeah, and I like the idea that there's like a group of clones going around liberating other clones. Um, like we hear about kind of like Rex's network, and then we, yeah, I guess we see it in full in full action. They're they're coming in and uh, rescuing guys. Yeah, it makes me wonder where they got the where they got the material, like where they get the ships and things. But I guess they just stole them. Yeah, and that that makes it even cooler in my mind. So this battle's happening. And a smaller craft detaches from the clone cruiser. It's it sort of looks like an escape pod, and they call it the breached ship. And it's headed toward the transport vessel that have the clone prisoners on it. 
And it's, it's tough. I didn't realize this at the first time I watched it, but the cruiser and the pod dock at the same time at two different parts of the ship. And so they sort of dock at two ends of the ship. Pierce sounds an alarm and tells everyone, prepare to be boarded. The stormtroopers show up to where the pod docked, and they're stunned. The other, another squad shows up to where the port where the cruiser docked, but those stormtroopers are flanked and overwhelmed by the squad that docked at the other end of the ship. Pierce realizes that they're being overrun and overwhelmed, orders that the databanks be erased. The clones spit up, split up. Half go to free the prisoners, and Echo and Nimic go to the bridge to figure out what the deal with the ship is. Fireball frees the prisoners, and it's Hauser and his men. I love this. Mm-hmm. So Hauser is Hauser's the clone from Devil's Deal and Rescue on Ryloth, um, who turned on the Imperials to help um, people on Ryloth escape. That's right. Oh, that's right. So this is a call callback to season one Bad Batch. Ah, okay. All right, that's awesome. I didn't realize it. So the clones are driving to the bridge. They're shooting their way there, using stun blasts, by the way. They breach the door and stun all the clones in the room. Pierce is still there. They don't stun him. Nimic asks him where the ship was going, why they were taking the clones there. Pierce doesn't say anything. Echoes at the... at the computer console, he says they're erasing the data core. Nimic says they'll get the information from Pierce. Pierce bites down on his suicide tooth and dies. Um, so this is the third or fourth instance of this tooth we've seen. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta wonder, does every Imperial officer have one, or just ones who are working for clandestine um, organizations or operations? So while it's probably frustrating for them that that Pierce kills himself, the fact that they found someone willing to die to protect the information means they're in the right place, mm-hmm. right? That that these are the true believers. These are the hardcore assholes. This is something worth dying for. It's something worth knowing. So on back on the cruiser on the clone clone attack ship, Gregor tells them it's time to go. Echo says he needs more time, of course. The cruiser drops out of hyperspace and opens fire. V-wings are launched to attack the clone cruiser. They release the transport, and the two halves of the ship are reunited during their retreat. The whole thing jumps into hyperspace with the prisoners and some new data on board. Um, Once again, just an action pack opener. I love it when they do this. It's sort of like things I really liked about Metamorphosis was like middle of the action sort of stuff, right? Enough establishing stuff, but it's like you're starting out with something exciting. Grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Now we, we have a bunch of different settings in this episode. And like I said, it's sort of part one of a three-part finale. And we're only going to do tipping point today. Um, but we jump around to sort of establish what's going to happen for the rest of the um, season. So we jump to Wayland. And in Mount Tantus, Crosshair is escorted by two stormtroopers to a medical room where Emery is waiting for him. She greets him, asks him how he's doing. She tells him Hemlock is on his way. She suggests he cooperates. Hemlock arrives and, and points out that Crosshair is healed quickly. Crosshair asks Hemlock why he's there. Hemlock says he's intended, he's going to give Crosshair a clean slate. He will get his freedom if he can help Hemlock track down Clone Force 99. Hemlock says that they have something he needs, 
and Crosshair immediately guesses he's talking about Omega. Um, Crosshair says he's wasting his time. Um, Bad Batch will never give up Omega. Hemlock says he's not going to give them a choice. Yeah, when he said that he would uh, that he would give him a clean slate, I was thinking that he's just going to just wipe him. Um, he's, I mean, this guy's not going to let him go, but maybe that he would just use uh, Crosshair, uh, wipe his memory or whatever it is, um, just to make him subservient. I 100% agree that he was never going to let him go. Yeah. So Crosshair has no reason to cooperate. Yeah, because him. yeah, because like that off the book clones, were they making them or were those just clones they just captured and just were they're able to wipe them to the point where like they can't be uh, they can't be traced. We talked about like it's like a gun with their serial number filed off, but is that is that how you get kind of like the the unknown clones, they're going to do that to Crosshair. Yeah, it's. I think that's probably more plausible than they had, they had their own cloning facility, but but who knows, right? Um, Crosshair, Crosshair says he doesn't know where they are. Hemlock instructs Emery to torture Crosshair until he talks. An interrogation droid begins procedures on Crosshair. Right at this moment, Scalder comes in and tells Hemlock that one of their transports was attacked and a prisoner escaped. The prisoners escaped. Hemlock tells Emery to call him when Crosshair is willing to talk. He leaves. So, Crosshair's in a bad place. Yeah. Um, now we jump to Coruscant. Back to Senator Chuchi. From, back from Clone Conspiracy. Chuchi is meeting with Echo and the clones that were rescued in the operation. Hauser says... He went in with eight men, but only three survived. The prisoner, the prison they were at was full of clones. Chuchi asks what crimes they were being accused of. Hauser basically said they were being accused of disobeying an order. She asks where they were being taken. Hauser doesn't know, but he says other clones were taken before him. And so this is, we're going to get into it in a little bit, but this is more of your theory that he's using clones as experimental subjects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, like, Hauser did actually um, disobey orders. I, they've got to be just just trumping up charges uh, for pretty much anybody who um, who doesn't uh, completely, like, 100% obey. Yeah, yeah. At this point, they're arresting them for farting in church. It, it doesn't matter, right? And sure, he did disobey a direct order and actually take his commander, like, hostage and things like that. And and allow pe- people to escape that were supposed to be held. But, but yeah, it's like, I doubt there's much justification needed at this point for holding a clone. Um, in this conversation, Echo says he has some of the data. They might be, able to, might be able to recover more. He knows someone that might be able to help. Chuchu tells him to be careful. Um, back at Mount Tantist, Emery tells the interrogation droid to stop. The stormtrooper says they were able to keep going, or they were told to keep going until he talks. She says he can't talk if he's dead. Yeah. She loosens his restraints while she is checking him. She turns away from Crosshair and tells the trooper to secure his restraints again. One of the stormtroopers puts his blaster down on the table next to Crosshair and goes to tighten the straps when Crosshair grabs the blaster and kills the two troopers and the droid. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty cool... um... I guess escape sequence, but um, not to get spoiler or conspiracy ish. 
Did she do this on purpose? The the more I've watched this episode, the more I think she did this on purpose. So the first time I watched it, I thought this was just crosshair, crosshair, like outwitting them and like getting away with this. I watched it, so I, I had like a really shitty day, not to get into it, but um, I I went and got on like our exercise bike before I did the notes, and I watched the whole thing just sitting there like cycling on a stationary bike, and while I was sitting there. I was just trying to tune everything out and I was like staring at the iPad just like like really intent on the show and there's a shot where she loosens the straps turns around and then looks over her shoulder to see if Crosshair has noticed that his straps are off. I think she did it on purpose. Yeah, it just seems too convenient cuz the only the only risk is he, she didn't know he wouldn't shoot her. Right. But Hemlock seems like a scary dude, so you gotta do what you're told, right? And and so I think she might have she might have been. It's plausible that he overpowered them and escaped, and she's still free. And now she can come back and say and like free him again, right, in the future, and have some credibility there. I'm so glad you thought this was on purpose. Yeah, because it, it it makes sense because he wants he wants the bad batch because he wants Omega, so he. So what what better way than to just let him escape, or try, at least try to escape, and contact them um, to put plans in motion that, that hopefully they'll um, they'll come for him. Oh, you don't think she was being altruistic toward Crosser? You think she was setting him up? Yes. Oh, I thought she was being. I thought I thought because she's a clone too, um, and Hemlock talks about clones in such a derogatory manner that she's basically an inside. She's slowly switching sides and I mean, wanted to see if, if, if crosshair is a way out for her. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's possible, but it seems like, um, like, how do you, like, how do you find like four people like a humongous galaxy? If they don't want to be found, they're not going to be found. But if they're just chilling on Pabu, they'll be, they'll never be found, but you've got to, you got to do something to kind of force them out of retirement. Yeah, I'm actually coming around to your point of view now. I think I think it makes way more sense because he does exactly that. Like he runs to communicate. We'll get there in a second, but um, yeah, let's just keep going. So Emery tells okay. Crosshair to think it through. Crosshair tells her to release him. Um, she lets him out of the bio bed or whatever, and opens up the force field. He takes her access card. Um, he stuns her and staggers off. She's, she tries to talk him down. He stuns her, takes her access card, and staggers off. Now this is Crosshair in a video game, right? So he's running through the halls, and he shoots two stormtroopers. And then he turns around the corner, and there's four more. He shoots a steam pipe, created distraction. He kills those four, too. He's yeah. Unstoppable killing machine. Oh, you, you notice he's not as good of a shot? Yeah, he misses um, a couple times, which is, I think, very intentional. Mm-hmm. Just to show how like uh, drugged out he is. Yeah. So Crosshair makes it to a communications room. He uses Emery's badge. Actually, I think I had a point here, and I think it is supports your hypothesis. So he's in a communication room. He uses Emery's badge to send a communication. When he starts this, security is alerted. Not after he kills six people, but when he tries to make a phone call, security mm-hmm. is alerted that an unauthorized communication is starting. They seal the room and fill it with gas. Um, Crosshair was 
on the phone basically saying that the Bad Batch has to go into hiding there after Omega. Crosshair collapses um, up against his gas. Hemlock walks into the room with no protective equipment, breathing the gas. He says the toxin is his own special formula, and he's built up an immunity to it. Iocane? Yeah, this is this is <laughs> Princess Bride. Yeah. To think, all that time it was Shortcut that was poisoned. They were both poisoned. I spent the last few years building up an immunity to Iocane powder. But yeah, that's that's the cultural touch point. All right, so Crosshair's back in custody. All right, yet another setting. Back to Pabu. Um, Shep and Hunter are chatting on the seaside near the docks. They're unloading some supplies. Shep asks about Echo coming. Hunter says Echo can be trusted, and that's good enough for Shep. Wrecker has finished the fishing dock and has caught dinner. He rushes off to help fortify the seawall. Wrecker's like a big kid in this scene. He's like running around, just having fun. Shep says they've all become an integral part of the community. Shep asks Hunter if he's reconsidered staying permanently. Hunter hymns and haws at this a little bit, but he's not committal. Mm-hmm. Um, just then, the Marauder flies by. Tech is giving Omega some flying lessons. I, I thought this was pretty good comedic relief. Um, made me wonder if Tech had one of those um, brakes that the student <laughs> driving cars had. Yeah. They, they <laughs> put the a stick. instructor could slam on a brake. <laughs> they put the sticker on the back of the uh, Havoc Marauder that says student pilot. <laughs> Student pilot, <laughs> go around. Yeah. <laughs> um, our, all of our kids are too young to drive. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to my kids driving. Uh, I know parents usually hate that idea. But uh, I need someone to pick me up from the bar. So, <laughs> yeah, father no, of the year. Oh, yeah. I, I am not. No, 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 sir. No, not at all. I had a, I had a friend who wanted to do a, his, jo- his standing joke for a long time. Um, he said he wanted to adopt a 16-year-old just so he can have a chauffeur. <laughs> and uh, when my brother turned 20, this is an unrelated story. My brother turned 20. I told them, like, hey, we should go to the bar. And he's like, I'm 20, not 21. And I'm like, yeah, but you can still drive me. <laughs> you can just <laughs> sit in the parking lot and wait for me to come out. Yeah. Is that the one that came and picked you up uh, after the wedding? Mm, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so inside the Marauder, Tech is really white knuckling this whole lesson. Um, Omega says she's getting better. The proximity alarm hasn't gone off yet. Tech says it's because it's shorted out. And then he tells her to do a zero point turn. Omega calls it a tech turn. It is basically a Tokyo drift. So <laughs> go wild. No, no problem. Uh, I can go with that. Or- I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Okay, you can somehow fit that in and make it sound hilarious. <laughs> oh, wow. It's so funny. Well done. Yeah. I think it's funny you think I'm going to edit that. <laughs> Come on. All right. Um, Omega executes the maneuver. Tech says she's getting better. And then Tech says there's an incoming vessel on approach. Omega is very excited. This is Echo. Echo says, Echo radios in and says he will race her to the landing zone. Tech says that's not a good idea, but Omega hits the throttle. <laughs> um, they don't make a point of this in the, in the show, but it's very clear that Echo wins this race. Uh, he lands first. 
Um, he is greeted by Hunter. Echo asks Hunter why they aren't on Ord Mantel with Sid. Hunter says they're reevaluating their relationship with Sid. And Tech and Omega approach Echo. Uh, Omega hugs him. Tech asks him about the data. And Echo catches him up on the first third of the episode. So we get a nice little in-universe recap. All right, jumping back to Tantus. Hemlock is on the phone with Tarkin. Um, hologram phone. Um, Tarkin says the, or Hemlock says the attack is inconsequential on the on the transport. But Tarkin says he has concerns about security. Tarkin says the clones still the clones still enlisted with the Imperial military are probably passing information to these rogue elements. Tarkin says they will accelerate the removal of the clones from the military as these people have become a liability because they treat them like garbage. Um, Himlock says that he will take all of the clones they will send him for his experiments. Tarkin says he will listen to his plan at their upcoming summit. So this is where it's becoming explicit what they're doing. Like he just, he's basically asking Tarkin for raw material so he can fuck with them. Mm-hmm. This is your whole hypothesis, right? And I think yeah. I think it's really coming to fruition, and it references the upcoming episode, the summit. Yeah, I mean, what better test subject if they're ex- if they're the exactly the same genetically, you know? Yeah, I would I would review that paper. I would say good controls. On back on Pabu, the Bad Batch is hanging out. Echo asks Hunter if they're going to stay there indefinitely. Hunter says they haven't decided. But it might be a smart move. Hunter asks Echo what they what he's been up to. Echo says they basically built an underground railroad for clones. Hunter says, well, they can't beat the Empire. And Echo says it's about fighting back, making sure they're helping their brother brothers. Tech contacts them and says he's decrypted the data and to join him on the ship. So hey, a quick side um, thing that I've been thinking about. I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but like, like Echo, or sorry, not Echo, uh, Omega is actually uh, older than the rest of the Bad Batch. Yeah, by a significant amount. Right. Um, at a certain point, are they are the clone? Do the clones are they constantly Stop rapidly rapid aging? Yeah, or at least it slows down. A bit. They just they rapid age them to get them to like. Uh, like to like they're like eighteen or or so, or so or to where they're adults in in fighting uh in fighting age and then they just kind of like slow it down or do they just they just permanently just like going so we see we see them later in life at least some of them and we probably see them about fifteen years after this and they appear to be in their fifties right or early 60s right Mm -hmm. i I don't know it's hard to estimate how old prex is supposed to be and so my head canon has always been as they get older their accelerated aging slows and so like they really front load they really front load them up until puberty right so they burn them they burn them for years like for a couple years to get them to basically a biological age of like 16 or 17 and they train them for a couple of years, and then they put them out there, right? And, and then they they the advantage of having rapid aging at that point is gone, right? Because you want people in their 20s, because that's when they're the healthiest and they're most capable of doing things like fighting. And so it makes no sense to 
have them continue to rapidly age. So you'd want it to slow down, right? Unless you wanted to, unless they're light bulbs when they're designed to break after a certain amount of time. So you have to buy mm-hmm. new ones, right? What's that called? Planned obsolescence. Um, sure. But yeah, like, but it's a whole thing, right? It's a planned obsolescence, obsolescence in light bulbs. It's a conspiracy, right? It's a, oh. it's an actual conspiracy theory where light bulb companies all got together and decided that the life of a light bulb would be a thousand hours and they all engineered their light bulbs to burn out after a thousand hours or something like that like this is a real thing so but that fortunately is gone now but that actually happened when the light bulb was invented um so you can look it up (laughs) dear listener you can look it up if you want to yeah yeah bookmark the uh bigfoot page you're you're on right now and then look up uh, planned obsolescence. Is that correct? Yes, planned obsolescence. I'm gonna look it up though, because there's a cool name for it. Obsolescence. Yeah. The Phoebus Cartel. <laughs> um, and it was an yeah Phoebus Cartel. P H O E B U S Cartel. It was a uh, um. A cartel that controlled the manufacturing and sale of incandescent light bulbs. It started in 1925. Yep. And they Uh. controlled the market for 30 years. uh, And they planned how long a light bulb would go. And I was right. Some engineers deemed 1,000 hours a reasonable figure to balance various operational aspects of incandescent light bulbs. Yep. There's no reason why light bulbs burn out. They're engineered too. Yeah. Don't like iPhones or at least... Older iPhones, maybe they still do this. They like their batteries supposedly are not as good, or they th- they throttle things or something. They they do something to where it's just like it's not nearly as good, and you have to get a new phone. New phone. Yeah, they got sued for that because this is this is illegal at this point. Like, I mean, quote unquote illegal, right? What does legality mean to these people? But yeah. it's it's technically illegal, and they've been sued. Both Google and Apple have been sued for. Um, throttling phones down to, to try to encourage people to get new phones. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, that great, wonderful tangent. Yeah. Science and engineering tang- tangent. Look up Phoebe's cartel, reason why light bulbs burn out. Um, there's actually, here's a, an interesting piece of trivia. There's a light bulb that um, was made back in that time period, in like the early 1900s, that still works today. Um, so it's been running for over 100 years and still running today. That's a nice little piece wow. of trivia. For you. So there's no reason why light bulbs ever burned out. It was always planned. Um, anyway, enough of that. I'm not. I'm not a crank. Look it up. <laughs> I am. I am a crank, but look it up anyway. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. I also think they're trying to kill the president. NASA's trying to kill the president with a uh, tractor beam. You're telling me that NASA is going to kill the President of the United States with an earthquake. Not exactly the kind of thing a Secret Service agent can, like, just throw himself on top of. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to the summary. Hunter says they can't beat the Empire. Echo says it's about fighting back, making sure they're helping their brothers. Tech contacts them and says he's decrypted the data and to join them on the ship. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. The tractor beam is just causing gaffes. (laughs) He would normally sound like a, just a regular guy, but, but they're tractor beaming all the all the 
they can't after they just they make him say stupid stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. You said that, not me. So I'm I'm perfectly in the clear. <laughs> All right. So on the ship, Tech says that the trans that the transport they attacked is part of the Advanced Science Corps. Um, no one's ever heard of it. It's a secret clandestine organization within the Empire. There are almost no records, but Tech found some information about Hemlock. Tech goes on to say there's a list of clones being held by Hemlock and Crosshair is on the list. Yeah. Oh yeah. The um don't um don't gloss over the fact that he was like expelled from like the Republic uh, Science Directorate or whatever it's called because his um practices were not considered ethical. Yeah, he's a ghoul. He's absolutely a ghoul. Yeah. Um, this advanced science directive is brought up in Catalyst. It's the thing that Galen and Krennic belonged to, and Krennic is going to make a cameo in the next episode, spoiler alert. But this thing is, this is their DARPA, basically. Their mm-hmm. defense research projects. It's, it is, every government has one of these. Um, every government has an advanced research directive that is basically in charge of, of um, putting forth high-risk science in the pursuit of more beautiful weapons. And I can't put it more cynically than that, but I won't go into it, to it any further. Um, Wrecker asks if Crosshair has turned on the Empire. If this means that Crosshair has turned on the Empire, Hunter is skeptical. He's been burned before. Tex says he's sure of it. Because once he saw Crosshair's name on the list or number on the list, he checked the World Comms channel and there was a message from Crosshair, Plan 88, The Seeker. Crosshair is warning them that the Bad Batch is being targeted. Hunter says it could be a trap, like he did it before. And Wrecker asks how they can tell if it's a trap or not. Smash cut back to Tantus. Wait, do you want to talk about this at all? This little Um, conversation? Yeah, that he's like reaching out uh, to warn them. But they they definitely should be like, I can't. They should be skeptical because he's 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 kind of tried to screw them over before. So yeah, he's burned them in the past. It's it's tough when when you have somebody that you care about, but but they've proven themselves untrustworthy. So that's sort of where they're at. At like that's definitely where Hunter's at. At least I don't know about the rest of them. Mm. And all the plans have like double digit numbers. You notice that? Yeah, I was curious how many plans they had, but. <laughs> We can probably look it up. It might be like the Ferengi rules of acquisition, where there's as many as they need. <laughs> what is the 95th rule of acquisition? Uh, expand or die? Sorry, that's from the other science fiction franchise. All right, so back at Tantus, Crosshair is in a cell. Um, he is being tortured by Hemlock. Uh, Hemlock tells Crosshair the only way he can leave is if Hemlock allows it. This also sort of supports your hypothesis that Hemlock orchestrated the whole thing. Um, Hemlock asks why Crosshair should suffer. All Hemlock wants is the young clone, and she means nothing to Crosshair. Just turn her over. Crosshair just stares at him, saying nothing. Um, frustrated, Hemlock tells Emery to increase his injection level. Hemlock stands by with Emery as Crosshair writhes in pain. The end. Yeah, there is a. Um, this reminded me of. Um, I think it was it was Sons of Anarchy. I don't remember what season it was, but there's like this. There this like FBI agent that was on like they're um, was investigating them. He was like this guy, 
Um, he's a weird dude. He's been in like Law and Order, and like he was like the the preacher in uh, Deadwood. Um, and he uh, he asked one of them like, "Oh no, I can't remember who it was." He asked, but he says like, "Why why like why do you do this?" Um, um, and he's just like, "It's about." He says, it's about brotherhood. You wouldn't understand. And if I agent's like, yeah, I wouldn't, or something like that, or it's like I wish I, or something like I wish I could, something like that. But it just seemed like that would be a very good, like, like he's like you know, Hamlock's why he's doing this, and it's like, like he, you wouldn't understand if you don't if, if you don't know why he's doing it, then you would never understand it, even if he even if you were told. Right. And it's so like, why would yeah? You know, why would you run into a a burning house to save your child? Well, right. if you're not if you're a parent, asking the you question, you don't. Yeah, you, if you're asking the question, then you clearly don't even understand the premise of your question, mm-hmm. right? And and he's the thing that I loved about this this exchange is Hemlock is cocky, right? He's cocky and powerful, more powerful than I would say. Um, what was the other guy? It's totally left my mind. The one that Krennic? got no, the one that got killed, or the one that got in clone conspiracy. What the hell is his oh, name? Oh, Rampart. Rampart, Jesus, yeah. So Rampart, he's he's clearly more powerful than Rampart, and more useful to the Empire than Rampart. But his his conversation with um, Lama Su, where he brings Lama Su there, and Lama Su's negotiating for like his own release, and Lama Su's like, "You're an idiot. Like you don't you don't have no clue what you're doing, right? And mm-hmm. you're gonna get killed and end up in a jail cell. You're gonna end up in a jail cell or get killed just like us." And this is just more of that, where he's just like, like I'm gonna torture my way to the top, and Crosshair's like, I'm not gonna say anything and just let you torture me. Yeah. There's no upside, no upside for Crosshair at all, and Crosshair's a big enough military guy that he knows that he's not leaving there. You, mm-hmm. you gain nothing by cooperating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like even like, um, oh maybe it's the next episode, but like he, he's. Um, like you say, he's got a big ego, but he's in these sort of, like in in like the empire or in just in like any other regime, authoritarian regime, whether it's fascist, communist, whatever. You, you're only as useful as like as long as you're useful. Um, it's the second you stop being useful, like it's like oh, well, it's like almost like any job, except instead of just getting fired, you just get killed and imprisoned or worse turn it's not yeah it's not quite like it's not like quite like stop not no longer being useful at your job because you're you're subject to these political forces as well as these military machinations and these guys are way out on a yeah. limb here yeah you better be able to it's, keep up it, drinking with stalin or else uh, you're fucked yeah <laughs> i've been training for that my entire life <laughs> When we were when we were in when we my my wife and I just went to New York City for a, a long weekend and did I tell you that we went to a Russian bar? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so we were we were after the we went to a Broadway show and after the Broadway show, my wife's like, "Oh, I want to go to this Russian bar because her sister recommended it." I'm not entirely convinced her sister's not a spy, but um, at this point. But um, so we went to this Russian bar and I was like, yeah, we'll go to this Russian bar. Right. But in in D.C., there's a Russian bar, but it's not really 
it's owned by Russians, but there's no single Russian that works there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They serve Russian food, they serve Russian drinks, but everybody that works there is just a local, right? There's maybe a couple of Russians that work there, but you never interact with them. Yeah. Um, we went into this Russian bar, and it was all Russians. And it was like wild. Tracksuits and... Sort of. Yeah. Like, what was the name like, of it? It was... It was um, I, I'd have to look it up, but... Okay, because, like, like the... um, my wife's... Um, my wife's family, like her her mother's best friend is Russian. Um, like they they like they fled Russia during um, World War II and they bounced around to different places. Um, but she speaks fluent Russian, and like she she and her husband both like were big drinkers. Still still is. Plus she she's also like fluent in uh, in um, Spanish because they fled to Argentina. They weren't Nazis, but they just they went right. to Argentina because uh, that's, I guess, a place you could easily go to. But uh, yeah, I was just curious. Could just ask if they knew of that uh, that uh, that bar. Yeah, so it's called it's just called the Vodka Room. Um, and this is one of the reasons why when she told me she wanted to go here, yeah. So I just looked it up on the website. It's just called Vodka Room. This is one of the reasons why when she said like I, I want to go to this Russian bar. It's called the Vodka Room. I'm like oh yeah, sure. I bet, I bet it's a Russian bar. Oh no, it was a Russian bar. Yeah, did right. you? Get... I speak Russian, right? Uh, and what's that? I was just gonna ask. Did you do? Um, so did like? Did you just speak Russian to the everybody there? And so I'm very I'm very cautious when I roll that out, especially now, because there's reasons to not want everyone to know you speak Russian. So I walked in there and we sat at a table next to the bar, and this this Russian woman came up. And she said, kitchen closes in one minute and hands us the menus and the menus are in Russian. (laughs) And my wife said, do you have an English menu? And she said, yes. And she turned around and grabbed an English menu and handed us English menus. Um, And then there were things on the English, things on the Russian menu that weren't on the English menu. And so I, my wife's like, I just wanted some vegetables. It was late. I just wanted something Mm -hmm. to snack on. And I said, well, I pointed to the Russian menu. I was like, well, this one's vegetables, right? It's just pickled vegetables. And so she came back and I ordered off of the Russian menu and she did not like my pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, this goes, this goes way, way back to, to when I was learning Russian. Um, I was taught by a Soviet defector how to speak Russian, and he taught us to speak in ethnic accents. And I'm not joking. I speak Russian with a Ukrainian accent. <laughs> okay. And I've never bothered to train myself out of it. And so she was, so this old woman, she wasn't, she wasn't old, old, she was in her 50s. This old Russian woman was lecturing me on my mispronunciation of Russian words. And she didn't accuse me of being um, Ukrainian, but the tone I've heard it before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you need to find a Ukrainian bar then. Yeah. I don't speak Ukrainian though. <laughs> <laughs> but they might I speak be a little Russian more with a Ukrainian accent. <laughs> well, well, then what what use is it other than as a party trick? 
if the Russians hate you because you speak with a Ukrainian accent and Ukrainians would hate you because you're just speaking Russian, doesn't matter if it's a, it's got a Ukrainian uh, flavor to it. Yeah, I could probably train myself out of the accent pretty easily. I just have never bothered. Now I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. It was just fun, right? It was fun to go and hang out at a Russian bar. Why are we talking about a Russian bar? I forgot. You would brought up that uh, you had gone to New York. Um, I don't know why we got on that. I don't know why you brought it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll edit all that out then. It yeah. makes no sense. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Matt, Matt just sidebar, completely not Star Wars related. Matt went to a Russian bar. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a spy. <laughs> Take me to um, your nuclear vessels. Nuclear vessels. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably editing all those out, but I learned I learned Russian in a very weird time. And one of the first um, vocabulary words I learned was Yadernaya uh, Urezhnya, which is nuclear weapon in Russian. And I thought that was very strange that that was like Russian 101 vocabulary. Like why? Because all of, all of our books were written during the Cold War. All of the Russian manuals that we were reading were written during the Cold War. They're all DOD manuals. And Yadernaya Urezhnya, <laughs> nuclear weapon. Do you have any... So we haven't even done this. Like, did you like the episode? Oh, yeah. Um, I, um, I would definitely watch this in a Russian bar. Um, no. Um, yeah, I liked this episode a lot. Um, yeah, I liked the the beginning of the rescue, knowing, seeing kind of the underground network in um, in full effect, and just just the kind of the the end where it just kind of set up. Like, um, kind of how things are going to go down. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah, I, I think we're going to get into this next couple episodes, but this is sort of the Empire Strikes Back of the Bad Batch series, right? So, um, nothing's nothing's really going their way, and we know how the se- season ends now. We have two more of these to record. Um, I think this coming off of Pabu, which was the Tsunami Spring Break episode, it it launches you back into the action, and things just go from bad to worse in this season finale. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That that looking back on it, maybe Pabu was just kind of like a palate cleanser, or to make it seem like, like to make the last episodes like sting that much more, because like, like oh they have to work they just helped with like this natural disaster but they've got this really cool place to live and chill they can they can be safe like oh nope they're getting pulled back in and everything's much worse you know I guess, I guess it's a way to making yeah things like things are kind of uh, shitty but um, like giving them a, like um, it's like there's like this new like because they have like a goal now they can like retire on this island and just omega can just be a kid and now they've got like that that's like a thing that's being ripped away because they didn't have that before so that makes it even that much more difficult and kind of a kick in the kick in the seat of the pants yeah i totally agree i think i think the worst kind of it's like the um don't give me hope line from um hawkeye 
in whatever that TV, whatever series that was. Hawkeye. Was that in Hawkeye, or was that in was that in like Endgame? That was that that was Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Hawkeye's like, "Don't give me hope." It's like, yeah, you showed them a better life, and then you took it away from them. That's worse than them never having it. Mm-hmm. Because now they now you have to wonder if they're ever going to get back there, right? And now they have a goal, like an exit strategy and a goal, and we know that they don't get back there in this season, right? And who knows what happens um, to the characters in between now and whatever whatever happens to them after the end of this season and how they get like where they end up, right? Do they do they just spend the rest of their lives on the run? How many of them get out of Tantus and all that other stuff? But I loved it. I love this episode. I love it for how terrifying it is and how how it makes me worried for all the characters, including Crosshair. Yeah. And once again, Hemlock is playing the villain perfectly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you have any commentary or anything you want to talk about? I've got a, one piece of trivia. No, no, uh, go for it. So the so the the shuttle that the clones that Tech and Gregor use to attack um, the transport ship in the beginning, its name is the Remora. And well, that's cool. It well, it's the ship that. The Crimson Corsair has in The Force Awakens. Do you know really? who the Crimson Corsair is? Yeah, he's the guy with the uh, the red helmet that's got the three fins, one on one on top, two on the side, one on each side. Correct. He's the guy that Finn was going to leave with mm-hmm. um, before he sees before the First Order attacks. And so this ship, um, this ship is the same ship. So it's, I mean. That's what it says, at least in all of the reference material. I I love that continuity piece. I love it when they tie things together like that. I don't think stuff like that makes the universe smaller. I think it just adds a little bit of depth to everything. Like, it's still used used and lived in. There is approximately um, 40 years in between this episode and The Force Awakens. So, almost 50 years. Oh, my bad. So, there wasn't a... Still in use. Yeah. So my bad, there wasn't a fin uh, on the top, but yeah, he's got the big um, things on the side. But that, yeah, that's cool. Um, I like how the like like the uh, second season of Mandalorian, um, Cobb Vanth is using one of um, the engines from Anakin's pod racer as a speeder. Oh yeah, I love that detail too. I think that's amazing. I don't know if it's actually Anakin's, but. It might as well be, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks a lot like it. Um, I don't think I have anything else uh, um, from like a trivia point of view or production point of view. I think I think I'm gonna have a lot of things to say in the next episode about the production and and probably the final episode too. There's a lot of trivia in the next episode. Okay, all right. So now's the time where we rank an episode. We rank episodes by Star Wars characters. A really great episode would be an original trilogy character such as Han, Luke, Leia. Vader, Chewie, the droids, etc. A really bad episode would be who is somebody completely worthless that we haven't done lately or that we haven't done. Do you want to do Claude? Claude, uh, who's he? He's like the slug in The Rise of Skywalker that's just standing in the background. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do him. Um, just why? <laughs> Okay, so Matt, what do you what do you rank this episode? I'm going to rank this episode a mother um, thousand. 
Ooh, Mother Talzin. Any... Um, what's that? I was going to ask, is there any particular reason? Yeah, so Mother Talzin is um, one of my favorite villains. Um, I love the episodes that focus on her. Um, but she's part of like something much larger. She's like a, like a representative of something much larger that is pretty complicated. Um, I think this episode paired with the following two episodes are just terrifying. She's one of the scariest characters in Clone Wars to me, because we, you, you never really get a sense of how powerful she is, but she is super powerful. And the Night Sisters we see in other media, including Asajj, are just terrifying people with crazy powers, including Marin, Marin in mm-hmm. Fallen Order, um, and Jedi Survivor. Like, she's just terrifyingly powerful. So, yeah, I think I think Mother Talzin this week, and I'll pick another strong villain next week, probably. Yeah, that How is... How about you? Oh, man. I... I, I how, how do I compete with that? That is... Um... That that is a really good one. Um, I, um, I you know what? I'm gonna go with uh, Arinda Price to go with it. Oh, I love one. her. Yeah, because she it's just because she's um, granted she her character goes from like sympathetic to like shitty, but but um, but it's just very just like she is just hopeless and she's just bad. Um, She's only sympathetic overall. in the. She's only sympathetic in the first seventy-five percent of that book, and then she's a straight-up villain in Rebels. Or, mm-hmm. or is she sympathetic in Rebels ever? No, no, she's never like. Um, she's sympathetic, and then she just she learns how to play the game, and basically just fucks over everybody. And she doesn't care anymore, she, and she just right. wants power. Um, right, she was screwed. She was screwed, but then she she. Deals it back tenfold. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's why I pick. Um, all right. So uh, I guess the next episodes will be the the uh, the two part finale of uh, the season, um, which the next one coming up is called the summit. So it's pretty it's pretty exciting. It's a really great episode. Spoiler alert. But, um, a couple of good cameos in that episode, or guest stars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Guest stars. Yeah, before we go, we just want to mention that we uh, were on the uh, Star Wars podcast Hyperspace Heroes uh, a couple of weeks ago t- talking about Star Wars animation. We've uh, This is our second time being on there. They're uh, a bunch of uh, they're cool guys, um, cool Star Wars nerds, nerds like us. So... Uh, uh, so if if you liked our show, go give them a listen. If you didn't like our show, go give them a listen anyway, because they they do a good job and they talk about all sorts of Star Wars stuff, not just cartoons. They're big into collecting, so if if you're someone who's into that sort of thing, definitely definitely check them out. Um, and and be sure to rank us highly on whatever podcast aggregator that you use, and uh, tell a friend about us. That's uh, how we get the word of. Uh, how we get downloads and uh, listeners is just by word of mouth. So, um, and if you hated us, well, I'm sorry you hated us, but uh, could you maybe just um, rank us high anyways? Because you're a really super cool, handsome slash beautiful person who's super smart and the best person ever. No, with terrible well, taste, apparently. With, <laughs> yeah. If not, just then just recommend it to somebody you hate just to screw them over, right? You beautiful bastard. 
All right, I'm going to play the outro now. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Yes, it is.